Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them, I've received all authority in heaven on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of each heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may remember or not from your high school class or maybe a college physics class, Sir Isaac Newton's first law of motion. Anybody got it? Sir Isaac Newton, I see one. And what is it? Objects at rest tend to stay at rest, and likewise, objects in motion tend to stay in motion unless acted upon by a force that slows them to a stop. So just that's the general rule, right? Objects in motion tend to stay in motion. Objects at rest tend to stay at rest. Now, if you didn't remember that, don't feel bad. Neither did I. I had to look it up. It's part of a long list of things that uh, the Orange County Public School System probably thought I needed to know that I've long since forgotten. No offense to any of you who are teachers, you tried your best. (laughs) Now in my defense, if you need any information on the book of Revelation, on John Wesley's sacramental theology, on the Levitical priesthood, I'm your guy. Likewise, if you need to know anything about uh, Mayan religious practice, how to grow a bonsai tree, how to find some good free stuff on Craigslist, or outlaw motorcycle club ritual, come to me. I can tell you all of those things, none of which have anything to do with today's sermon. So uh, back to first, the first law of motion. Objects in motion tend to stay in motion. Objects at rest tend to stay at rest. Think of it this way. Uh, If for some reason a big boulder starts rolling down a hill, it will likely just keep rolling and rolling and rolling until it runs into your car or until it runs into a wall or until finally gravity and friction slow it to a stop. Likewise, a big boulder sitting in a field is likely not to go anywhere at all unless you have a bulldozer or a stick of dynamite, right? Motion continues moving, at least for a while, immovable objects tend not to move. Objects at rest tend to stay. Kelly, my wife, can attest to this. By the time I get home from work and I land on the couch, I don't move the rest of the night. Likewise, in the morning, I don't move very fast until I have sufficient caffeine, right? You need a little stimulus to get moving. 
Now, I don't know how broadly you can apply uh, Sir Isaac Newton's first law of motion, but I'm going to try to stretch it out a little bit. I think during this pandemic, a lot of things that might have been moving have slowed down, maybe even to a stop. How many people weren't able to keep paying their rent or mortgage because they lost their jobs? How many careers were advancing but stopped because of furloughs or businesses going out of business? How how many people have been making great progress, saving for their kids' education or to buy a new car, to buy a house or for retirement? And all of that had to be put on hold. I, I heard just this week, tragically, that divorce rates have skyrocketed during the pandemic. Uh, Probably marriages that were already in trouble, but marriages ending, stopping because of the pandemic. Many have feared that um, our kids, children, both children and adolescents, education and maybe even social development has at least been delayed because of the pandemic. And as we've talked about probably every week since we've been back together, obviously it's had an impact on church life. We, we made every effort we could to transfer as much church ministry to online options that were safe, but that didn't work for everybody, right? And, and not everything was transferable, and, and we did have to stop the vast majority of things that we did in person because we had to do the social distancing thing. Probably the the thing that I most regret, probably the thing I've struggled with the most through this pandemic is seeing the needs in the community and knowing that there wasn't a lot we could do that was safe. Our service to the community has been negatively impacted in so many ways. Emily and I now have been about here about two years, and one of the conversations we've had the most is that our commitment to this church being a church that serves the community and the world. And we had hoped long before now that we would really be activated. We would be you know, out there in the community, maybe a, you know, maybe a service day for the whole church once a month. We, we hoped every week to be able to stand up before you and say, here's volunteer, volunteer opportunities, you know, sign up now for this week. I had hoped that I would take a group of you to Guatemala by now to, to meet my friends there and to do a mission trip. Most of that just hasn't been possible because so much of that hasn't been safe, at least in the last 12 or so months. Now, there are some exceptions. Please hear me. There's been some good things that have happened. Uh, we've been able to host some things like the salt shower ministry and recently vaccinations. Uh, we did the great, as we always do, the great food distribution at Christmas at Weingart Elementary and our school supply drives and our food collection drives. Our sewing ministry has stayed activated uh, on and on. There are a lot of good things, but not nearly what we're capable of or what we've hoped to do. Most of our service to the world has slowed down or stopped. And if we're going to be honest, and I hope we always can be, the pandemic's only partially to blame. This church has a great history of service to the world for many years was known as just one of the leaders in in giving to missional causes. A long-time commitment here in downtown Orlando to the homeless. Many, many, many years have sent multiple mission teams, domestic and international, into the world. More recent years work with refugees. 
But in more recent years, prior to Emily and my arrival and in our first time here, a lot of that has just kind of gotten slower. Our go has slowed, if you will. It's the smaller group that does a lot of our mission work. A lot of our work has gotten outsourced to other agencies. A lot of our missional giving has decreased. Yes, our mission efforts slowed during the pandemic. And maybe it's come to a stop in some ways. Now, I don't hear this as complaint. don't hear it as judgment. don't hear it as criticism. I just sometimes think you have to be honest, right? We, we can't change what we don't admit. We can't fix what we don't realize is broken. So back to Sir Isaac Newton's law of motion. Objects in motion tend to stay in motion. Objects that are at rest tend to stay at rest. Does that, does that apply to churches, do you think? Is it possible that once things start slowing down, they tend to move toward not moving at all? Is it possible that that applies to our service to the world? Is it possible that it applies to First Church? And if so, how do we get things moving again? One of the core characteristics of Jesus' ministry is just he was always on the go. You ever notice that? His entire public ministry, he was moving. We just see him up and down these dusty trails, these dusty roads, from, from the Judean wilderness down to Jericho, up to Jerusalem, through Samaria, all around the shores of the Sea of Galilee, across the Sea of Galilee in boats. He was always moving, always on the go, and he was always inviting people, come follow me. He always had this, this trail of folks walking behind him. Now, wherever he went, when we read the Gospels, crowds came. They would go wherever they heard that he was, right? But what would he do? Long before everything was said that could be said, long before uh, he healed everyone that could be healed, Jesus had already slipped out the back door and was heading down the road somewhere else. There was something about mobility for Jesus that seems to have been very important. Jesus could have easily just picked a place, right? This is where he's going to do his ministry and let the crowds come to him. Obviously, word was out about him, but he never did that. He felt this impulse always to go because he wanted the next village to hear. He wanted the next group of people to know all about him. There's these old phrases that, that like, you never let grass grow beneath your feet. You ever heard that? That certainly was true of Jesus. Or a rolling stone gathers no moss, right? Jesus certainly had no moss growing on him. Always, always on the go. Now, there was this pause following the resurrection. The disciples, if you read the Gospels, clearly weren't sure what to do. They were shocked by the whole crucifixion and resurrection. Jesus hadn't been real clear about what was next. And in fact, at one point said, you guys just need to wait uh, in Jerusalem and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. That's a, a story we'll tell in a couple of weeks. But on the day that Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave them instruction. Go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. 
What was Jesus' final instruction to his followers? Just two letters. Go. 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 Go out there. Now, where were they supposed to go? Everywhere. Go make disciples of all nations. Go to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8 tells basically the same story. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In other words, go to places you know. Go to places you know about but you don't want to go. Go to places you've never been. Go to places you've never heard of. And when you get there, go further. Just keep going, going, going. And what were they to do? Teach people about Jesus. Demonstrate his love. Show them the difference he made in their lives. Baptize in his name. Invite people to be part of the going from that point on. And just keep the movement going. And they did. Church historians believe that that first group of disciples may have taken the gospel as far as India to the east, Asia Minor to the north, Africa to the south, Rome to the west, And the Jesus movement just kept spreading generation after generation throughout the world, and it's never stopped. This instruction of Jesus, go make disciples of all nations, we call what? Anyone? The Great Commission, right? This was his final instruction. The Great Commission, go make disciples of all nations. It's important that we realize this is in perfect harmony with the teaching of Scripture all along. Jesus wasn't the first to tell people to go. Way, way, way back in the book of Genesis, God shows up to an old married couple without children, Abram and Sarai, later known as Abraham and Sarah, and said, I'll be your God, and you'll be my people, and you'll be a blessing to the world. Genesis 12.1, leave your land, your family, your father's household for the land that I will show you. In other words, Go. One night, he, one day he comes to a shepherd up on the mountain named Moses, appears in a burning bush. He tells Moses, get going. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And of course, they would wander for the next 40 years, heading to the promised land. He shows up to the young prophet Jeremiah and says, where I send you, you must, anybody want to guess? Go. And what I tell you, you must say. And then, of course, the disciples, Jesus would go to the tax collector's booth, to the fishers on the shore, come and follow me. Come on, let's go, right? And ever since, faithful people have been responding to Jesus' commission to go. To reach people who've never heard of Jesus. Faithful Christians have heard the command to go. To go to wherever people suffer, disease, hunger, war, famine. Faithful people have heard the call to go. Every time there's a major natural disaster, hurricanes, fires, floods, earthquakes, Christians have heard the Great Commission to go and to help in Jesus' name. You can go literally anywhere in the world to the most remote locations or to the most dense urban city centers 
And you will find Christian schools and health clinics and safe houses and aid agencies and soup kitchens and food pantries and clothes closets and shelters and community gardens and hospitals and farm and cooperatives and orphanages and rehabs and universities and children's homes and campus ministries and community centers and monasteries and convents and churches. And why are they there? How'd they get there? Because some faithful man or woman heard Jesus' call to go, and they did. And First Church has been an important part of that movement throughout our 130-plus years, working with the homeless in Orlando, supporting building houses for Habitat for Humanity, providing food to the hungry, youth and adult mission trips, giving financially, when there's natural, natural disasters, supporting the children's home up in Enterprise, our sewing ministry, the good work they do. We've been instrumental in the starting of the, the Christian Service Center, the Coalition for the Homeless, iDignity, on and on and on. It's in the DNA of this church. The very first mission trip I ever went on was with this church in 1990 to Miraflores, Mexico, At that point, I didn't even know what a mission trip was. I had no idea why churches would do that kind of thing, and it changed my life. The next year, a group of us returned to Miraflores to work in a neighboring village called Chalco to help build a church. I learned that here. It has shaped my entire ministry because you taught me the value of hearing Jesus' call to go. The question for us today is, where is God calling First Church to go next? What is God calling First Church to do now? The Latinx liberation theologian Gustavo Gutierrez writes, Faith always involves a journey. In other words, faith, following Jesus, always involves going. Not many examples of sitting, always going. Long long before words like, like church or Christianity were applied to people who followed Jesus, the expression that was used to describe people like you and me was people of the way or followers of the way based on Jesus saying in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Long before Christianity became an institutionalized religion, it was a movement. Not just a movement in terms of spirit, but a movement and actually people moving and doing things in Jesus' name. The early church was mobile, agile, flexible, and always on the go. Maybe one of the biggest challenges to being a big downtown church like ours is the temptation to stop moving. Rather than being people on the go, we become people of the place. We start thinking that the world will come to us. Or worse, we think this place is all about us, and we stop caring about the world. I'm not saying we've done that, but that is the temptation. 
Friends, we don't have to go across the world. We can, but we don't have to go across the world to fulfill the Great Commission. The needs are right outside our door. You've heard me say this before. I'm amazed by the location of this church. We sit at this perfect downtown intersection of the arts and culture and government and education and commerce and real need, homelessness and and societal racism. We can make an impact right outside our door, right out there. But we'll have to go right out there. We'll have to do something to maximize the potential of this place. Bernard Dozier writes, do you want to follow Jesus? Or are you content just to worship him? I can't say exactly why. I'm going to ask you to just bear with me for a minute. I I can't exactly tell you where this came from. But over the last year, through this pandemic, I've become aware of an issue that's increasingly concerning me. Now, follow me with this. You, You don't have to go very far back in the history of our world. I mean, really just a few generations. And most people were makers. They made stuff. I mean, think about your grandparents, your great-grandparents. My my grandfather grew up on a farm, right? He was taught to raise animals and and to, to grow food and to fix things with his hands, to make things with his hands. And everyone else did too. Everyone in our society was either a farmer or a carpenter or a bricklayer or a baker or a weaver or something, right? You, you built your own house, you raised your own food, you sewed your own clothes, you, you, you raised your children to learn as you knew how to teach them. And what you didn't know how to do, you bartered with somebody else for what they knew how to do, right? We were makers. This is true around the world. But in the modern world, in the industrialized world, we've made a shift. We're not so much makers anymore. We make a living doing a job. We've become consumers. That's been the big shift in the modern era, to move from being a maker to primarily a consumer. In some ways, that's increased during the pandemic. Now stuff will come right to your door, same-day delivery, right? Just charge it. It's super easy to do. Now, now, what that means for society is one thing, but what I fear is that because we're so deeply shaped as consumer, I mean, we get this barrage of messages every day telling us to consume more. We consume more now as Americans than anyone in the history of the world has consumed. My fear is that that's seeped into our understanding of what the church is. That worship becomes another good that we consume. That church ministry programs become something we consume. We assume that coming to church is so that I can consume what I desire to receive spiritually, religiously. There's a place for some of that. But friends, I want to tell you today that that's never what the church was meant to be. That was never Jesus' version of his church, his vision for what church could be. It never was, and honestly, it will never be that. The church, from the beginning, was intended to be a community of people 
on the go in Jesus' name. Where are we called to go? Well, the mission field starts right outside our doors and extends indefinitely. And what are we called to do? To tell people about Jesus. To demonstrate his love in our lives. To live the values he has shown us how to live. To serve in his name. To relieve suffering. To fight for justice. To invite people to be part of his kingdom. Speaking, I think, on behalf of all of us, Pope Francis says, I am a mission on the earth. That is the reason I am here in this world. We have to, we followers of Jesus, have to regard ourselves as sealed, even branded, by this mission of bringing light, blessing, enlivening, raising up, healing, and freeing. I am a mission on the earth. That's the call to each of us. So friends, as this pandemic is starting to loosen its grip on us, and I think it is, as we get back to normal here, we're going to be talking more and more about what it means for First Church to regain our historic commitment to serving the community and the world, to get our mission moving again. But immobile objects tend to stay immobile. It's going to take effort. It's going to take all of us pushing in the right direction. It might even take a move of the Spirit to get this going. I hope you'll be part of it. Let's pray. And so, Holy Spirit, come ignite more go in this church family. As we lift our heads out of the darkness of this difficult time we've been in, show us where you have us go. Show us the needs. Show us the opportunities. Motivate us, Lord. Ignite a fire beneath us. May we be your people on the move, fulfilling your great commission. May we be known for it in this community and the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.